Now to part three of our series on the Bogera gold mine in Papua New Guinea's Inga province. It is due to open Friday, and this comes after a long squabble over the renewal of the mining lease. The multinationals involved and the PNG government have set up New Bogera Limited with the governments, both national and provincial, along with the landowners taking a majority shareholding. Over the past week, we've been hearing from Massey University human geographer Professor Glenn Banks, who's had a link with the mine going back 30 years. Don Wiseman asked him what he makes of the reopening. I think the first thing we should say is that it's a, a pretty impressive achievement that Barrick and the government have achieved to get to the point where they are. I mean, 12 months ago, I really didn't think they would even be at the point of, of saying we're going to reopen the mine before Christmas this year. So I think there's been a huge amount of effort, a huge amount of talk and negotiation carried out by the Mineral Resources Authority, by some of the, the key actors involved in the, the new structure for the new Pogra. So I, I think that's kind of the first thing to say. It does leave some fairly big unanswered questions, though. The way in which some of the local concerns and, and resolution of some of the local issues has been done has basically been to kick them down the road for a couple of years and hope that they're going to be able to negotiate these things over the next two years. So the compensation agreements, for example, the way in which the government got around the need to have compensation agreements in place before the issue of a, a special mining lease was to pass a, a, a piece of legislation which basically said, look, the existing compensation agreements before the closure of mine will allow those to continue in the interim while new compensation agreements are, are relocated. Without seeing the detail, I assume that that also applies to the relocation agreements that they have in place. But they haven't spelled out exactly how they're going to handle the issue of, of resettlement up there. And it, that's going to be, a, as I've found previously, a really vexed issue to try and come to terms with. There's other outstanding issues, some of the, the environmental issues, which have created pretty nasty local environments have not been specifically addressed as part of the, the reopening. My concern is that in the the rush to get the mine open again, and as I say, it's a, a real achievement that that's been achieved in the, the time frame that it has. My concern is that in that rush, there's been a, a number of the real significant long-standing issues at Pulgra that have just been kicked down the road, and the hope is that they're going to try and resolve them in the next couple of years while the mine is kicking up and, and getting back on, on stream. The onus to have done all of this comes back to the national government, doesn't it? It's had it does. more than three years after it engineered the non-signing of the lease back in 2019. And yet here we are now with the matters unresolved still. Yeah, that's very much the case. I, I think the first 12 months of that three-year period was taken up largely through trying to figure out how they were going to come to an agreement with Barrick in terms of the ownership of the mine. And so, you know, for 12 months, it was at least 12 months, there was really no attention given to the, the way in which some of these local issues could be dealt with. After that, certainly a lot of effort went into the nature of what the new arrangements would look like. And so, again, a lot of negotiation about the structure of the local 
51% interest. There's questions too around the way in which the local landowners are going to be represented in the, the new arrangements. So there's another 10% of equity in the mine, which is effectively being given to the local landowners or the local community. But the, the fine detail of that, I think, still needs to be hammered out. And that in itself could be highly contentious. So whether we're actually going to see real benefits being delivered locally through the equity holding, the increased equity holding, is not at all clear, given that we don't know exactly what the structure of that 10% landowner share is, is going to look like. Some of those other issues, it, it does appear from the outside that what's happened is that the government has decided to essentially throw a lot more money at Porgra and hope that that will make some of the issues go away. So the significant community development that Barrick has committed to in terms of funding on a on an annual basis, there's significant infrastructure money being committed to Porgra and Inga province. And my sense is that they're hoping that that's going to mollify a lot of the agitation at the local level about some of the ongoing unresolved issues up there. Whether that's actually the case will depend on the distribution of how those funds are actually used and employed, whether it brings real benefits to the bulk of the Pilgrim population. There's concern too, in the last decade or so, there's been some real splits open up within the Pilgrim community. And some of the, the long-established leadership has been challenged by younger people coming through. There's some very good older leaders and there's some very good younger leaders up at Pilgrim. Getting them to see eye to eye and, and agree to work cooperatively on, on a lot of these issues is going to be really difficult. There's some really long-standing feuds and disputes between some of the groups up at Pilgrim. So getting them in agreement and working towards a, a common good is difficult at the best of times. When you've got such a, a large community up there that is made up of people who are not necessarily of the, the original landowning community, but migrants from elsewhere, issues of social control up there are, are really difficult when leaders aren't able to effectively either represent the whole community or have some form of traditional control over those communities. So exactly how that's all going to play out, I think, is one of the real questions that we're going to see over the next couple of years, if and when the mine does actually open. I've heard rumours already since the announcement that the opening date is the 22nd of December. I've heard rumours there's going to be significant landowner opposition to the opening itself. So that's not a really good start to the process. I do hope that it does open, but whether it does is probably a question that we won't really see until the day.